and welcome to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff. This is episode 34 of an artist and economist walking into a podcast and things happen. Stephen, how are you getting on? I'm, I'm getting on Grace. Uh, I'm getting on Grace. Um, we, we have had another hopeful week since we last spoke. Mm. Um, the, the first commercial space flight took place. Apple debuted its M1 chip, which is a five nanometer chip, which people didn't really think could happen. We have three vaccines, which are which are the first in the history of humanity to feature what's called mRNA editing. So that's pretty awesome. That's stuff that didn't exist. You know, like like we 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 didn't know any of that stuff. Um, Elon Musk is about to shoot a bunch of satellites into space to create a global internet called Starlink. Um, but I think we're a little bit closer to the future than we think, you know, we just tend to spend our most, like, you just need to look up a little bit and look at the trends. Okay. And see, wow. You know, they, they, it is quite hopeful, actually. It um, is. Now, I have to admit being, um, I don't, I wouldn't even know what to call myself in, in relation to all the stuff you just listed. I don't know what a, a five nanometer um, chip is. And it just I goes faster. Know. Oh, it goes okay. Uses more power. Your laptop will be much better, and your battery life will be much better. And uh, yeah, it's all good. You have to pay now. You got to pay for like Apple's computers, right? You, you got to pay like they're expensive. These things, mm. but um, uh, what you're paying for is like the same. You're paying for an Apple computer the same way you're paying for like I don't know advertising for a Formula One car. Eventually, everyone just steals their ideas. So eventually, five nanometer chips become. The thing that everyone uses. And you can get really four, four yeah. for a euro in deals. Yeah, the- yeah, Mister Mister Price, five nanometer CPUs. Yeah, <laughs> and what it's about good, the the know? vaccine thing, the mRNA? Yeah, so so we can literally edit. Um, so now we can we this particular kind of um editing of RNA. So you what what they're doing is they're editing the the virus itself to fight the virus. What? Pretty awesome. Yeah. No, okay, it's, that's it's class. that's that's pretty feature. It's class. I mean, when you read about this stuff, and I'm not a scientist, I don't play well on the internet, so you know. Mm. Uh, but but so you know, big disclaimer there. I'm an economist, but I'm just some lad reading shit on the internet, and I'm like, wow. Uh, well, and and yeah. and reading it out to me, I'm similarly going wow right back. I just needed an extra translation for into. As I said, I don't know what I am. I'm, I'm not even a layman. I'm just like, I don't know what any of those letters are. So uh, I'm illiterate in the things oh, you just spoke so about. RNA is ribonucleic acid. Ah. It's, the, it's the stuff that your genes are encoded in. My genes need a wash. Yeah, so are mine, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, that's cool. Do you know what? It's lovely, this idea that I suppose for months there's been feeling of let's keep hopeful despite our surroundings. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's been this feeling the last few weeks whenever yeah. we speak that Trump way. seems to have uh, Trump seems to have conceded somehow without actually conceding. He's, I, think, he's, I hear he's his luggage is in the hallway. Yeah, it's not quite yeah, a throw yeah, out. Yeah, so, so he's allowed the money to, to create that transition team which mm. means that biden can actually hire fellas and this kind of stuff and he's actually done that and um one of the uh signature one of the one of the most important jobs in 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 any country really is the finance minister um and uh it's because this is the person responsible for all of economic policy so how much you tax how much you spend what you do um and so uh, uh biden has appointed someone called janet yellen to be his treasury secretary. They call their finance minister the treasury secretary. And she's the first treasury secretary in 200 plus years to be a woman. But but uh, what's even more important is she used to be 
the chairman of the Federal Reserve, their central bank. Yes. She is and 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 she is an absolute genius. Like a, a brilliant person. She's married to a dude called George Akerlof, who won the Nobel Prize in Economics. You, so you can imagine, like they're both professors at Berkeley. And um, you can just imagine the, the chat around there, <laughs> the, around their kitchen table, right? <laughs> yeah. So she, she, she's been, she's the first female chair of the Federal Reserve, the most powerful central bank in the world. Mm. And um, he won the Nobel Prize like 20 something years ago. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty impressive, to be honest, like as a family. But what's even more impressive is, they're both really nice people. Yeah. And it's yeah. one of these things where an actual expert in an area is in. Yeah. And in not general, someone's I'm, kid. What's that? Not someone's kid. You know? Not someone's kid. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. The, you know, the experts, they're, they're good. We like them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah with that, uh, come here. I have to bring back, because if anyone was listening to last week's episode, you left them on a big cliffhanger about oh, yeah. uh, we, we were we were falling into yeah. we were just finishing up you began to talk about intersectionality being a obviously something that has come to light a lot in the last uh, in the more recent history yeah and then you said fascinating theory uh but but you know I, there's a really big problem with it but okay, i have to go <laughs> i have to go sorry about so, that i promised i promised um last week that that we got yeah. clarified so yeah, that sure. Is the big um, problem. So, so uh, okay. Intersectionality is an idea that um, it's it's actually got an old idea, but it's been sort of rebranded in the late '90s by um, by a really um, sort of uh, famous famous uh, feminist scholar called uh, Crenshaw, uh, Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, and and if, if you look at like if you do like a Google engram of um, of intersectionality it really begins as a kind of phenomenon in the early 90s Crenshaw's first paper is in 1989 I believe and basically her, her point here her point is it's not enough to analyze uh, uh, someone as someone according to the various categories that some uh, you know census form or some um, some particular, decision maker chooses to analyze it. So you're not just a man, you're a black man. You're not just a black man, you're a black queer man. You're not just a black man, you're a black queer disabled man. And and Crenshaw's point, it's kind of an obvious point at one level, but actually it's a really deep point another, is that when you combine these various things, these, if you like, deviations from you know, what society is sort of designed around. And we know now, actually, after like 40 years of feminist theory, that society is literally designed around white men. Mm. Like, like when I say that, I mean, like buildings are designed around the average height of a, a man. The temperature in buildings, um, many, many medical drugs are tested more, more or less exclusively on men. AI, AI bots are kind of, they're tested on, on men, you know, like, like society's kind of designed around this. So, so anything that's not that is, is quite difficult. Um, she's, she's, uh, she's an American and she's writing a lot about, uh, about oppression and stuff. Right. So, so her, her kind of argument is uh, that different types of people face multiple constraints. And if you don't take account of these multiple constraints, you're not really objectively analyzing their, experience so that's intersectionality so you you very much um you, it, it comes to the fore in all kinds of stuff particularly in social movements where they kind of go yeah look you know uh people go well you know we need to lift up all women which is yeah good and and then they go well well actually 
it's different. White women have a different experience of black women. And you need to basically make that point, which is fine. Uh, the, so so these, are, these are the kind of, these are the obvious points, right? So, so the obvious parts of Crenshaw's theory are like, you should take care, take care of multiple perspectives. Problem is when you have two people who, who, who hold objectively similar constraints, so two black women, for example, when they describe, and, and, and another um, output of this theory is, you should really listen to the people for whom this constraint applies. You shouldn't have uh, some white dude, which is me, you know, explaining to them their experience, right? I'm just explaining the theory. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not explaining <laughs> the experience. You're, you're, you're in a safe space. Dave. I'm in a safe space. So, yeah. So, um, uh, but the theory is really interesting from that point of view. But the big conceptual problem with it is you can have two people who nominally occupy the same constraints, i.e. I'm a black woman or I'm a black queer woman or that kind of thing. So nominal, but they, but they will actually, because they, they the theory says their language, their words, their emotions are, if you like, in a certain sense, constrained by or reflective of those constraints. Um, the problem is when you actually go and ask people this stuff, there there's no regularity in what they're saying, right? It's not like, um, uh, it, it's not like the the theory in a certain sense gives um, uh, the theory in a certain sense doesn't give a uh, a way to weight between them, right? So so you might go well, you know, okay. So what's more important in in a, in a given context, right? Mm. Is it important to be a woman, a black woman, a black queer woman, and so forth? Right. So which which is more important in different contexts? So, you know, in certain contexts, these things come up and it really comes out uh, in the discussion about transgender rights mm -hmm. and um, the the sort of the claiming of rights by one group saying, hello, they're human rights. We need these things. Please give them to us. Um, there's typically state funding associated with them. It's typically like give us rights so that we can access healthcare services surgeries and so forth but um it's it, it it's all relying on, on this idea that, that in a certain sense people are comparable by their constraint class mm. you know by you know i'm rich i'm poor i'm black i'm white i'm a woman i'm a man and so forth um i was i was actually really really interested in 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 there's there's types of intersectionality um so some of it is structural intersectionality right so it's like it's like just hang on a second. The, the 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 actual structure is designed to militate against different types of person, right? Which is which is kind of the one that you would you might most obviously associate. It's kind of obvious to say it. The other is sort of a political one. So there's political intersectionality. So you might have a situation in the in the US, right? You've got a situation where you have evangelicals. Mm -hmm. it, oh, sorry. It tends to be very much a politics of the left. But but it's 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 a much more it's a much more general theory. So you, you, in the U.S. Uh, uh, around Trump, you have an intersectionality, right, mm -hmm. of uh, people who are, there. There's political intersectionality. People who are like, hang on a second, I'm an I'm an I'm an evangelical. You can have other people who are I'm I'm a right wing, hardcore economic libertarian, right. And then you can uh, you can have other people who are like, I'm actually anti big, I'm actually anti corruption. So, so I, I'm a, I would describe myself as a social liberal, but a fiscal conservative, right? All those people vote for Trump, yeah. Right, and that is it, there, there is a political intersectionality here that matters both on the right and the left, um, which is which is really important. But I think what's maybe most interesting is representational intersectionality. This is the bit where you go, I am a X Y Z A B C. I am mm -hmm. this kind of thing, and you actually 
come out and say that. And again, again, it's typically understood as kind of in the social rights movements for um, for uh, LGBTQI plus kind of rights uh, and all that. But actually, it applies across loads of different things, you know, mm-hmm. um, and where I'm particularly interested in representational inter- intersectionality is Brexit. So you want to talk about a weirder group of people, Jacob Rees-Mogg, you know, who is a very, very, very wealthy fund manager, trader guy, most of whose wealth sits in Ireland, right? So, so he, the intersection of his interests and his ideas and his sort of self-expression as a Brexiteer collapses perfectly onto Nigel Farage's, who is, who is none of those things, you know, who, who is just, who's just an ethno-nationalist. You know, and for uh, and it's I find intersectionality interesting, n- not because of the, the the social aspects that that you know you'll you'll very often hear people talk about. We need to have a feminism that is intersectional, mm-hmm. and that's directly from Crenshaw's work. So Crenshaw, like like if you read her paper, it's actually like it's 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 a really interesting paper, and it's 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 kind of hard to get. Um, to to, to be honest, it's kind of a hard um. It's a hard one to get, but it's but it's well worth um, digging up. Um, f- physically to locate yeah. or to read? To read, to read. Um, so she has she. I mean, I mean, she's been writing about this for a long time, like mm-hmm. a long time. This is more or less like her her big idea. Um, and um, you know, I would have read stuff that she would have written like the urgency of intersectionality, like why you just need to do this right now. You know, I'm very persuaded by those ideas. The problem is. I, I, I think they're greatest descriptions of what's happening. The problem is moving from a description of something to a prescription for something, right, requires an internally coherent model. You need to be able to say, um, uh, uh, and you need to stop smoking because if then, if you don't stop smoking, then you may get cancer, right? Okay. That's an internally consistent model that's consistent with, what we know about the human body and biology and environment, right? It, 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 we don't actually, it's not a, there's no causal model underneath this. If you represent your intersectional constraints in this way, then X should happen. There, there's nothing, there's no connection okay. that brings us to that. So it's great as a description. It's just terrible as a, not terrible, but it's not adequate as a prescription for what should happen and um i'm i'm very i'm 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 very um i'm very uh i'm very interested in this because the 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 way you use interse- intersectionality is to go well there's all these other marginalized constraints that people generally don't talk about or if they do they're they're kind of subsumed you know like mm. if you talk about um what's the word if you talk about Let's say you're just having a conversation about gay rights, right? It's it, the fact that you happen to be disabled and black and a woman, right? Mm. They're like less important in that context. Now they're not, not, they're not unimportant. And Crenshaw's work is to say, actually, no, you need to give them kind of equal prominence, right? And it's, it's like, how much? How, like, is it 20%, 16%? Like, where does it go? Mm-hmm. And I, I find that very, very, very interesting. Um, to think about. And I'm not an expert in it. Again, I don't play one on the internet. There are people who've read a bunch more that, about this than me. I'm just really, really interested in uh, this and everything. Really, I'm just. Mm. Uh, I, I always want to know more. And I, I, um, I find that. Um, I find that 
like if you if you um if you 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 can sort of construct if you're not careful a sort of a rhetoric of difference around it you become like a very like angels on the head of a pin thing you know oh only two constraints apply to you seven constraints apply to me you know this sort of thing yeah kind of you know and it's is, like is it the kind of virtue signaling or yeah a little yeah. bit or, or just just saying listen I, 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 I my experience is in some sense more valid than yours because I'm working class as well as being gay or something like this you know um, yeah, I, yeah I think there is it's funny listening to this because obviously you need theories around this stuff um yeah. But from a kind of a, I suppose, a human point of view, I kind of feel like this is a really important human point of view mm. rather than um, a kind of a, a theory that can be inputted, applied, and and therefore. Um, mm. And it feels like the biggest central tenet of it all is you be considerate and sound. Don't be sound. Yeah, just be sound. Just be sound. Like, basically, don't be all about the thing that maybe sets you apart maybe be considerate of of others and and own yourself and know yourself and you know as we often talk about this obviously you and i are are middle class privileged white people in a first world the strong economy um but if we walk into a room of fund managers we suddenly are a very we're not anywhere near the top of the pile do you know what i mean but in the world we are very well situated and i think we'll you'll you'll always find that and then and then within our own identities um you know if you're an irish person in a certain situation it gives you an advantage except um when you're in maybe certain parts of of northern ireland where you it would not be an advantage do you know Mm -hmm. and and then within within this, like for me, being being a woman in some ways makes my life a little bit less easier than my my brothers. Um, being gay, it meant that it took me longer to be able to get married and and things like that. Mm. But and I talked about this last week, I think, uh, where you can you can get to get a bit in love with your own struggle and that. And I think it's very important to acknowledge obviously your privilege. Yeah, but also acknowledge like within while acknowledging your obstacles. We've got maybe obstacles or conditional, conditional kind of obstacles because I don't, I don't like to view my well, gender. Well, let's just let's just view it. In, so, so, so if you just think about uh, Crenshaw's constraints thing, right? So mm. she's got a she's got a brilliant idea idea in the Stanford Law Review. Um, I think in the early nineties, and her basic point is, uh, listen, people who have f- fewer of these constraints. That is what privilege is not having these constraints. Yeah. Sure. Now she sure. calls them intersections, but but I, I I think it's probably better to think about them. Constraints is a far less politically charged uh, thing. But her, mm. her her main point is that you've got lots and lots of people who are they experience the constraints in different ways, and they should like get together politically to stop all the constraints. From happening, so it shouldn't be the case. For example, um, uh, that that black men um, uh, uh, arguing for and are, are organizing against police violence, you know, essentially to to free themselves of that constraint, should necessarily pull from or pull against um, uh, white women who are gay, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, so so Crenshaw's point is like 
if you just um, try to understand where the margins are, yeah, you know, and, and like understand that there's a constraint around that margin, then you're in a much better place to say, no, 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 look, look, your, your experience is different to mine. That is a fair comment, but they're both caused by that guy over there. <laughs> And oh, he's completely. rich and white. Could we not go over there for a bit? And it's well, very interesting because that argument is, is is that argument is a pure Marxist argument. The, right. the early Marxists, I mean, in fact, the people who kicked Marx out of the Marx Party, those guys, right? Yeah. The original Marxists were like, just everyone get together. Doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what's going on, and get that guy. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it, this is a, it's a much more subtle, much more worked out. It's 200 years of thinking, like much more thorough work, worked out. But it's that kind of thing. The other uh, major aspect that is very different in Crenshaw's thinking and like essentially every other thinker basically jumps off from her or bounces off against her. Yeah. Um, is is that uh, while you get political intersectionality, which means you actually get coalitions of people to move stuff forward, a mm-hmm. bit like you saw, in fact, with the um, repeal the Eighth Movement and uh, the marriage equality referendums, you had loads of different coalitions of people. You know, um, uh, Mary McAleese, you know, rallying the mammies of Ireland, this kind of thing. Like that's a that's a weird intersection if you think about it. Completely, um, completely, know, but it worked. Mm. It worked, right? And, and it's not, uh, uh, some of it is, so again, some of it is just, it's, I think it's kind of retitling stuff that's already been out there, which is just, you should probably organize if your interests are even roughly com- in common. You Do you know, know it's it's and, so yeah. true. And it's where I feel the left just kills itself or tears itself apart so unnecessarily. Yeah. Um, for somebody to advocate like, for somebody to do something for breast cancer and if someone went, yeah, what about, or not even breast cancer, because that's even too specific. Imagine someone was saying, we need to do something for lung cancer. And someone's like, yeah, what about pancreatic cancer? It's like, no, we can, we can focus on something. Yes. And if it's not your, that's not your day, then just support it. But do, to support and mind uh, a movement isn't at the expense of your own. If Indeed. anything, it's strengthening it. And I've seen this before where, it was actually, it was kind of a very sad thing. I saw this, is quite, I saw quite anecdotally, I, I saw this kind of person on, on, online when, when the Me Too um, thing started, which basically pointed out, what was Me Too? It basically was um, a message yeah. to be reposted that if you had ever experienced a form of sexual assault, just, just post this. That's all yeah. it was. And yeah. Pretty much every woman I know yep. did, right? And sexual assault ranges, obviously. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, and it's a very big arc. Um, and it's it, from being touched on parts of your body, you don't want to be touched against your will and made to kind of laugh about it uh, mm-hmm. to full on, um, full assault. And people were just sharing. And it was about like, let's shine a light on this third of a situation we have and then i saw a number of people i know um posting that uh like this is so unfair on this is so unfair on on gay men who have also experienced sexual assault and just being like no just 
just stand with us and we will stand with you. It's awful yeah. that you have experienced that. It's terrible. Mm. It's not okay. It's not worse or better. It's all awful. And we all just need to stand together rather than compete uh, with each other's suffering or whatever. Yeah. Like, and this is for me, I think I've said this before, like feminism in general is about pulling everyone up. You know, it's mm -hmm. not just about women. It's about you're not looking up, you're looking behind you to say, okay, I'm standing here. Who, who isn't even here? <laughs> who is in a worse situation than me? Yeah. I, uh, I need to be advocating for everyone who does not have the privileges I have yeah. and not going, well, well, you know, I, I, there, I think that is what has destroyed many strong left movements is when people get fragmented and get into my thing. I actually remember my, my mother used to tell a story um, actually, it's my mother's birthday today. Um, oh. And uh, well, this time last year, I was incredibly hungover after her 80th birthday. Um, sadly, this is my first birthday okay. without her. But um, ah. she used to tell a story of her mother coming back from the hospital. Mm. And the neighbor was, was there uh, next door. And she said, like, are oh, you back from the hospital Lil, or whatever? And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Um, I was just in for my, my, you know, she'd had 10 children and loads of, <laughs> loads of, what do you call it? Health complications that go with, with being a certain age and all that stuff. Yeah. And she just said, oh, I was just in for X, Y, and Z. She wasn't even reveling. And your one took a little beat and looked at her and said, I was worse than you, Mrs. Gunn. <laughs> That just became a tagline in our house. I was worse than you. And I just feel, unfortunately, uh, I don't think it is. Inter I think intersectionality is actually trying to fight that shit because the problem is people just, just you know what, let's just back each other up because yeah. there's enough inequality in the world. There's enough crap in the world that you don't need to undermine somebody else's advocation for their own rights by your rights are not at anyone's expense. Yeah. Somebody else getting rights isn't you losing them. Just mm. back back them up. Yep. No matter what your your position. Um yeah. Yeah, that's me telling you how to live your life. Um there you are I now. know I know we don't have long, right? But uh we are peppering Proust into our oh, yes. podcast. Sprink sprinkling crushed up bits of Proust. So we we've kind of stopped kind of maybe giving him most of the show, but we let's just dip into one of these questions and we do have obviously public responses to it. So okay, these are kind of two questions which we might get done. So what is the quality you most like in a man? Oh, you're asking me. I'm gonna ask you that one, yeah. Okay. Um, I think uh, I think it is the ability to have the crack the same way that I have the crack. It, <laughs> it, it's which sounds like a bit of a psychic thing, but actually, if you, I, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. If it, you know, sometimes you meet somebody and you're like, "Oh, you're a nice person. I'll see you later." Right. Yeah. And sometimes you meet somebody and you're like, you're a nice person. Please come drink with me. You know, and it's it's it that's the difference. Um it's it's that. It's it's just like um and it's not necessarily like have you seen all the box sets of the Simpsons? It's just some something about that. Okay. Uh I I, I read, I didn't read, I um I heard that 
there's a big difference between the way men communicate and the way women communicate. Mm-hmm. And the difference is men talk shoulder to shoulder and women talk face to face. Oh, and I was interested in this. Um, so I decided uh, to, to take my son out for a run. So we went for this run. Now, now I'm like five foot seven, little sort of scrawny kind of um, uh, economist lad. Imagine the most boring version of a middle-class middle-aged man. That's me. And he, uh, he's very lovely folks. Yeah, he's, my, he's my, really son, lovely. my son is, is like near on six foot and lanky. And it's a good thing he looks like me. Because if he didn't, we'd be going to the solicitor, the DNA test. Because um, he's way too tall for me. Uh, uh, people look at me and they're like, really? That guy? You know, um, so we went for a run. It was interesting. We were running shoulder to shoulder. And like, I'm never beating this dude in a race. I'm 42. He's 14. He's fit as a fiddle. He does like three sports. I'm, but we kind of had a run. Uh, and we ran around Glenstall, which is just, just the thing that we live near. Um, and it was nice. And, you know, the interesting was, interesting was, uh, we were talking away the whole time. So I think somewhere, someone you can sort of have the chat to shoulder to shoulder. I think that is a good quality. Um, who's the crack? Yeah. Excellent. What about yourself? In a man, I think it is someone who, who listens and um, is present. It, yeah, just you have a sense that I talk, we're talking man and then the next question is woman so just just yeah. so in a man I think when I meet a man who who listens as like obviously speaks for himself but also listens and conveys that he has heard what you said and is listening to what you're saying and is interested in what you're saying yeah. uh is a is a very lovely quality um yeah to 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 uh to find a man and uh, I would definitely follow you under that, Stephen. Oh, thank you. That's lovely. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to quickly look at our, our responses, just real quick. Um, and you can be thinking about what quality you most uh, like in a woman, because that is the next one. And I think we might squeeze it in because uh, it's not too, too thing. Okay, so in a woman, in a man, humor, kindness, trustworthiness, empathy, love, honesty, vulnerability, yeah, humility, openness, sense of humor. So we've the person who answered this wrong, and anti mame is in there. So I, somebody <laughs> obviously just just had a moment when they answered this and just went. Cool. You know, okay, so we'll we'll just because we yeah. literally are wrapping up, but I do think we can get the woman question in here now. Um, so what quality do you most like in a woman? And I suppose I should answer this one first because well, we're mixing it up. Sure. Um, I would say uh, for in a woman, I, 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 I love when a woman is confident and that always, it just, it's just always fun when you meet a confident woman because um, yeah. you get they, just someone who, who healthily owns space um, and doesn't apologize for themselves or their weight or their appearance all that stuff's always fun and we kind of said this before that's just getting grained into us you know uh, there's an amazing uh, skit by um Maeve Higgins where two friends meet and they're like oh you look you look uh 
uh, you look great. Oh, no, no, uh, no. I did a, a test online about what kind of animal I am. And like, apparently I'm like a, a baby whale, you know, but but your, your T-shirt's lovely. No, no, there's holes in this T-shirt. Someone, I think someone was shot. I think someone died in this T-shirt. <laughs> they just, <laughs> women, Irish women cannot take a compliment. I think you could do it to men as well. But anyway, I, I love confidence. How about, how about you? Well, it's actually the same answer. So it's just the crack. Um, I've always... I'm always just drawn to people because because the crack is like a kind of a it's kind of an umbrella idea because you have to be intelligent you have to be kind of well read you have to see the funny side you can't take yourself too seriously like because yeah. if you do like you're never going to have the crack if you think you're the absolute bee's knees at anything yeah you know yeah do you know who strikes me by the way as a bit of crack who Janet Yellen the new Treasury Secretary okay. she okay. strikes me as the kind of lady. Very smart, very engaged. Two whiskeys in, though. I imagine she'd be the crack. Do you reckon, could we like do a podcast of one of her books and then you can tag her on Twitter and she might actually listen to us like she, as she, happens? <laughs> she, she's in charge of the world's most powerful economy. If she's listening to our podcast, you know. Stephen, I'm just saying. I'm just, just saying. saying. Okay, I'm going to let the, the public have the final say. So mm. there for qualities in a woman let's see what <laughs> what our friend has put in random question random answer uh, kindness confidence empathy loyalty honesty strength sincerity sense of humor have you any guesses what uh, our friend added in no <laughs> puccini slash van gogh <laughs> jesus i mean I really don't know what questions they were reading. <laughs> I mean, it feels like they were kind of answering a totally different question, a questionnaire, and just filled in our one. Yes, I, I think you're right, because I'm trying to find what are they actually reading? Anyway, uh, Stephen, yeah. I'm aware that you you must go. And yeah, I, go. I can safely say you are very confident. You're a lovely listener and you are definitely you. the crack. Oh, Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. And I think the, the, the exact same things apply to you. They do. They do. Don't you love tuning into this and hearing us going out? Oh, you're great. No, you're great. No, you're great. No, you're great. And then just the tone, just, you know, eventually all you're hearing is, Wee! and your dog is like, stop it. Turn off the podcast. Jesus. Yeah. Well, listen, next week, hopefully more hope to report on. But in the meantime, have a good one. And I'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Eric Fitzgerald. Theme tune is performed and composed by David Blake. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. You can now follow the show on Twitter at Anne Steve Talk. Get Stephen at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne at Anne Blake 78. That's an Anne without an E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post.